Welcome to the podcast of Maranatha Ministries. I'm Rick Frank, Senior Pastor of Maranatha, and I pray you'll be blessed by today's message. You can access all of our church information by going to our website at www.mmchurch.com or on all social media by searching at mmchurch. And now be blessed by listening to today's message. Praise the Lord. All right, I am going to turn to the Scriptures today. Why don't you just remain seated? Don't worry about standing. Uh, You've been up and down a lot. What a beautiful worship service today. Thank you, music team, for creating an atmosphere where the presence of the Lord can come. Amen? The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord inhabits the praises of His people, and I certainly did feel Him in this place today. I am reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Bible says here that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Can you say that with me? Rooted and grounded in love. Rooted and grounded in love. I have you say that with me because that's what I want to emphasize today, is being rooted and grounded in love. It may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Aren't you glad about that? If you knew where I came from, you'd be glad about that. I'm glad about that. I'm glad all things become new. I want to talk to you today about this message that I have entitled, Rooted and Grounded in Love. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We do thank you today for your blessings, for your touch, for your spirit. I thank you for everyone that's in this building today, everyone that's watching us online, that you will minister to them, touch them, let them feel your presence, let them feel your touch. We're asking in the wonderful name of Jesus that you would give us a revelation today that we might be able to serve you with all of our hearts. Everyone said amen. In Jesus' name, praise the Lord. I, um, on Wednesday evening, and I hope, uh, I hope all of you will take the time to start listening in on Wednesday nights on our Maranatha Live. It's on both Facebook and YouTube. Just look up our Maranatha channel, Maranatha Ministries UPC. You'll find our channel. Um, and the reason I ask that is because I've changed the format of our Wednesday nights. I'm now doing a more in-depth teaching for Wednesday nights. This past Wednesday night, I talked about uh, uh, experiencing radical change, and if you are not free Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, it, is, it stays online, it is there, you can go back and view it. I encourage all of you to do it. We're going to get into some, some more in-depth teaching, and um, I've got some uh, things that I'm going to be talking about on Wednesday evenings, discipling us, helping us to draw closer to God. And this last Wednesday night, I talked about radical change that needs to take place, not only at the beginning of our walk with God, but continuously uh, as, our, as we walk with God. And I'm not going to reiterate everything I talked about. I do encourage you, though, to tune in, listen to it, check it out, and, and, and let the Spirit of the Lord touch you. But I do want to go on from that in my message today and talk about some things that help us experience radical change as we walk for, with God and live for God. What happens, and I've, I've been uh, pastoring for many years now, I've seen a lot of things, and unfortunately, I've seen some sad things, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people come, I've seen a lot of people go, and I have been able to watch and see 
uh, in the hearts of people what differentiates those who come for a little while and they leave, some um, come for a while and they end up leaving, and then some you just couldn't get them to leave with a, with a stick of dynamite. <laughs> they are thick or thin. They are not walking away. And uh, I, I was thinking about these things and talking about Wednesday night radical change. And I realized that over my years of ministry, I have found that there are some people who come in and then they walk away sad. All right? They walk away sad. There are other people who come in and they will stay for a while sometimes a little while, sometimes a long while, and they also end up falling off, falling away. And then I have realized and seen in my ministry, my years of ministry, that there are those that no matter how long it is, they just cannot get enough of Jesus. They cannot get enough. No matter what's going on in their life, no matter what's taking place, no matter how they feel, no matter what's broken, no matter what's fixed, no matter what's good, no matter what's bad, no matter what's happening in society, no matter what's not happening in society, they just can't get enough of Jesus. I want to be that person. I want to be that person. Now, I want to explain to you what I mean by these three types of people, and really, type two has a, has a type two A which I'll, I'll just hit in a second here. Uh, but uh, people that walk away sad. Now, in Mark chapter number 10, you're probably familiar with the story of the rich man that came to Jesus, and he said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus told him what he had to do to be saved, and the Bible said when Jesus told him what he had to do, the Bible literally says he walked away, went away sad. He was sad over the fact that going to heaven was going to cost him so much. And he was saddened that he realized he couldn't pay that price. I don't want to be among those that walk away sad. I don't don't want that to happen to me. He walked away sad. Then in John chapter 6, there's another story here that's very interesting. Uh, You might be familiar with it. Jesus was talking to his disciples. The Bible refers to them as disciples, not just his 12 but he refers to all of those that were following him as his disciples. And he talked to them about some things that were, it was, I'm going to be honest with you, it was hard to swallow. And this is what the Bible says happened. It says, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They walked with him no more. Now, if you're familiar with that story, you know that what he was talking about was hard to, hard to deal with. And a lot of people just said, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going any further. I, I, I'm dumb. This is, this is getting to be too much. Uh, Jesus is demanding too much out of my life. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like, well, wait a second. How much is, uh, you know, how, how far are we going to go in this thing? And uh, they walked away sad. Jesus looked at his 12 apostles and he said, do you also want to go away? Are you leaving too? And of course, they said, uh, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And I want to have that attitude. Where, where else am I going to go? I mean, you, you alone are the words of eternal life. But I do want to throw something here. Here's the, here's, the, here's the 2A, that some stayed for a while and they left. The 2A is these disciples at this point in their life. Now, listen to me carefully because these disciples at this point in their life said, where are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. I almost read into that statement an attitude of if someone else had something better than what you're offering, we would go. But right now, there's nobody better. 
because you have the words of eternal life. I've looked around. I can't see anything better, so I'll stay here. All right? That's not the attitude I want to have, and I'll tell you why. Because Calvary, my friend, is coming. What do I mean by that? The very ones who said, where else are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Found somewhere else to go when Jesus was being crucified. Huh? 2A. There's nothing better. We're staying here. But something better did come along. It's called life instead of death on a cross. So we're going to choose life and leave you. And that's I've seen happen to some folks. However, the positive to this is this. The very ones who walked away at Calvary came back and turned into the ones who couldn't get enough. All right? So just because you fell along the way is no reason to give up hope and throw the towel in and call it a day. Come on back. There's something in you that can turn into the, I'll never leave, I can't get enough of Jesus. Amen? Praise God. Now, I'm going to talk to you for just a few moments today, and I won't be long, but I do want to talk to you just for a few moments about the ones who can't get enough. They cannot get enough of Jesus. And it's not because they think there's nothing better. It's not because they uh, uh, have nothing else to do. It's because they have experienced Jesus in such a way that they are thrilled with him, and they're not even looking to see if there's anything better. They have stopped the searching. My friend, I challenge you to stop searching. You have found the one who loves your soul. Now, let me describe for you the one who can't get enough. The description is found in the book of Song of Solomon, which is a book that most of us don't read unless we're reading through the Bible and we have, to, we have to read through that story. Not that it's a bad story. It's just like, what's this doing in the Bible? Ever, ever wonder that? How many of you have read Song of Solomon? How many of you wonder if that got stuck in there accidentally? It's a good story, but how that get put in the Bible, I don't know. I'll tell you how. If for this one portion, if just this one portion is the reason it's there, it's good enough for me. Because in Song of Solomon chapter 3, listen to what the Bible says in verses 1 through 4. It says this, By night, on my bed, I sought for the one I love. I sought for the one that I love. And guess what? I did not find him. Do you know how many people are in this world seeking for something? They're searching for something that can fulfill. Only the love of God truly satisfies. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ truly satisfies. Only a walk with him truly fulfills. And this writer said, I sought for the one I love and I did not find him. And so I said, I will go about the city 
and into the streets and into the square, and I'm going to seek for the one I love. I am not going to stop searching until I find him. I'm going to the word. I'm going to church. I'm going to prayer. I'm going to worship. Everywhere I go, I'm going to look until I find the one I love. Everywhere. I'm going to keep searching. I went about the city, into the streets, into the squares, and I will seek the one I love. And I sought him, but I did not find him. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people out in this world who are looking for something to fulfill them. They're not even sure what it is. I know what it is. It's Jesus. I sought for something to satisfy, and I did not find it. Drugs won't do it. Alcohol won't do it. Love of another person won't do it. I'm not saying loving your wife, loving your husband, loving your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your children. I'm not saying that's not good. I'm saying it won't satisfy the longing of your soul. I did not find him. The watchmen who go about the city found me. The watchmen of the city said, what are you doing? What are you looking for? And when she told him, he had no answer. She said, have you seen the one that I love have you seen him? That's what this world is doing right now. They're out in the streets. They're all over the place. They're trying to find somebody that loves them. Somebody that will give them meaning to their life. Somebody that will make them feel uh, like they're worth something. They're all looking for it, but they're not finding it. The watchman had no answer. This world has no answer. The watchman had no answer. Have you seen the one I love? No answer. Verse 4. You ready for verse 4? I should have put it up on the screen, but I didn't. You'll just have to listen to me. Scarcely had I passed by the watchman. You ready for these words? When I found the one I love. I found the one I love. But she's not done, and neither am I and neither should you be. Because she said, I held him and I would not let him go. You can't pry me away from Jesus. You can't threaten me away from Jesus. You can't keep me out of the house of God. You can't tell me not to raise my hands. You can't tell me not to sing in church. I'll put a mask over my mouth, but I'm going to sing to Jesus. You can't tell me not to do these things. I'm not saying we're going to be stupid. We're keeping our six feet. We're putting our mask on while we worship and sing. I'm not saying I'm going to be stupid, but I'm not staying home because i got to wear a mask. And I'm not shutting down my worship because it's not convenient. I have found the one I love, and I will not let him go. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, the difference between serving him and actually loving him is life transforming. The difference is life transforming. And the way we have our lives transformed is by allowing the faith that we have. See, every one of us here today, anybody that's listening to this online, you're doing it because you have faith that there is a God 
But when we allow that faith that is in our brains, in our minds, to leave our minds and travel down to our hearts, it is when that faith gets into our hearts that we become transformed. So it happens. Faith into the heart becomes love. And love is a completely different situation. Let me tell you a quick story of uh, how that works. Many of you heard me tell this story before. Many of you know Brother Stephen Beatty, the dearest friend I have. And uh, back when we were, we did a lot of transformation to this building. What we did here was nothing compared to what we did when we first came in as far as work and labor and being in over my head goes when we demolished those bathrooms and, and redid all that. That took major construction. It took major knowledge. It took Brother Steve Beatty, who is a, he is, he is the plumber of plumbers. Uh, that guy knows how to do plumbing. Him and my son-in-law. Of course, my son-in-law was not around at the time, so it was, I called Steve Beatty. Steve Beatty came. He had a week or so. He said, he'll come. He'll help me get the bulk of it done, and then he'll, he's got to leave. So he came. It was during that time that he was here that the first lady had her stroke, in fact, it was right towards the end of the job, and we were so behind. There were so many things that went wrong. We were so behind. I was in over my head. I knew he was getting ready to leave. I knew this was beyond me. I'm, I just felt overwhelmed, uh, and, and he was getting ready to leave. And then I get a phone call that my wife just had a stroke, and she, she's up at Ellis Hospital. So we drop everything now, and we go up to Ellis Hospital, Brother Beatty and I, and we're praying for her and and. And it was, the, it was just, it was one of the worst periods of time in my life because <clears throat> I had to actually leave my wife in the hospital and come back here to work. I left her in the hospital under the care of my, obviously doctors, but my, <laughs> my daughter was with her. Jameson was, I don't know if you stayed the whole day, but Jameson was there. Family was there. And I knew Steve Beatty was leaving. And there was, if, he, if, if he left and the, with the way this was, it wasn't going to get done and so we left the hospital, came back here. Now, I remember I was standing right back there near the baptistry, and uh, Steve Beatty had to have looked at my face. Sorry. And saw the look of hopelessness in me. Hopeless I was at that moment. My wife is in the hospital, no clue how. I didn't know but that, that by tomorrow at this time, she was going to be home making breakfast for us because the Lord miraculously healed her. <laughs> she had lost, the, I think it was the left, was it the left side or right? Left side of her, totally lost the left side of her body by the next day that she was, she was walking home and that, 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 uh, the following morning she's making breakfast. I didn't know that at the time. I stood at the back of the church and I was overwhelmed and Steve Beatty, who was supposed to be going home the next day, looked at me and he said, Rick, I will not leave you alone at a time like this. That's what he said to me. If Steve Beatty called me right now in the middle of this sermon and said he needed me, I would say, James, come on up. Here's my notes. Finish this. I got to go. I would drop anything for him. Anything. If he called me up and said, Rick, I'm stranded on the highway. Can you come and get me? You to finish the sermon without me. I got to go. Steve Beatty needs me. I would drop anything for him. Because 
of what he did for me. You understand what I'm saying? That's how I feel about him. And that is the love that leaves your head and enters your heart. It'll cause you to do things and live a life that you would never do with head knowledge. Heart knowledge is so much more powerful. Heart faith, I'll call it, is so much more powerful than head faith. Knowing something is one thing. Experiencing something is another. And so how do you experience this? How do you get this into your heart? How do you, how do you get the faith out of your head and into your heart so that it can turn into love? Let me explain to you how you do it. Because if you think about what Jesus did, some of the things Jesus did, for instance... We, know, we all know the story about the woman with the issue of blood. Jesus was on his way to a, to a ruler of a synagogue's house to heal his daughter. And while he was walking down the street, crowds of people thronged him and followed him, were all around him. And a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years and was desperate crawled through the crowd and pushed people out of the way and finally got them to reach out and touch the hem of his garment and was immediately healed. And Jesus stopped everything. He said, who touched me? Who touched me? And she was afraid because she thought she was in trouble. She finally confessed it was I. And he said, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you whole. What did he do? He healed her and then he wanted to know that he also loved her. Now listen to me for a moment. That's a wonderful story, isn't it? Beautiful story, isn't it? But wait a second. What if I imagine me? If that was me, would he have done that? Would he have done that for me? If I was the one that crawled through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment, would he have stopped? Would healing virtue have come out of him and healed my body? Would he have stopped and looked at me and said, son, be of good cheer? Would he have done that for me? Yeah, he would have. And because I would, he would have done that for me, it makes me just not know about him. It makes me love him. There was a man laying by the pool, Bethesda, and uh, it was the one where the angel stirred the water. And whenever the angel stirred the water, the first one in the water would be healed. And this man had been there for so long, and he was evidently lame. And every time the angel stirred the water, he'd start trying to crawl into the water, and someone would be in there before him. Someone who only had a withered hand and could jump in fast. Someone who was blind, didn't, had two good legs, would jump in fast. He just, every time, he'd get almost there and... Someone else would get the blessing. He laid there discouraged and, and, and downcast, and, the, and Jesus walked up. He said, you want to be healed? He said, I would love to be healed. He said, but the problem is every time the angel stirs the water, someone gets in before I do. And the Bible says that Jesus said, as he touched him, be whole, rise up and walk. And the man rose up and walked. But you know what's really interesting about that story? A lot of people don't realize it. Verse number nine says this. Immediately the man was made well and took up his bed and walked. And verse nine ends with this statement. And that day was the Sabbath. Who cares? What does it matter what day it was? I'll tell you what it matters what day it was. The Jews despised the fact that Jesus was doing what, what they called work on the Sabbath day. And Jesus was willing to take the scorn of the Pharisees to be able to heal that man. That's how much he loved him. He was willing to put up with their, with their added. How many times do we cower back because we don't want people to think bad of us? Jesus didn't think that way. He didn't care what anybody thought. You were in need. I was in need. And he saved my soul. That's how I get it from my head into my heart. 
and it makes me love him. And when I say I have found the one I love, I say like the song of Solomon, I will not let him go. And even more than that, as I get ready to close today, even more than that, not only did he heal me, think about this, he didn't just heal me, he didn't just touch my heart, he didn't just raise me up, I was the one who was supposed to be going to Calvary, I was the one, I was the sinner, those sins he's dying for, those are my sins, That cross he's dying on, that was supposed to be for me. That's my cross. And Jesus said, my son, sit down. I will take that cross, and I'll go to Calvary for you. I'll do it. And he picked up that cross and marched up that hill and laid himself down and let them pound it nails into his hands and feet. For what? To save me from having to do it. And now I'm on my way to heaven. You want to talk about radical change? That's what radically changes us. When we realize what he did for us, what he did for me, makes me say, I found the one I love. You know why I'm still here after 40 years? It's not because everything's been hunky-dory and everything's been good and everybody's treated me just perfectly and everybody's been so kind and everybody's so wonderful. Come on now. We've had some scoundrels come through here, give me a hard time. We've had some folks come in here, give you a hard time. Why are we still here? Why do we keep coming? Because I'm not here for you. You're not here for me. We're here because Jesus saved us. We're here because Jesus saved us. And now I can't get enough. What's it going to cost me to follow you? Sell everything you have and follow me. Okay, Lord. Not walk away sad. I found the one I love. I'm not letting go. I'm not here for a little while till he says something about a change he wants in me that's not comfortable. I'm here for the law. I will drop everything. Steve Beatty calls me up, I drop everything. But if Jesus calls me to do something, I will drop everything and do it for him because I have found the one I love. Do you love him today? Stand, clap your hands, and worship the Lord as we are dismissed with a song today. Thank you for listening to the Maranatha Ministries podcast. If this message touched you, please make sure to subscribe for more sermons from Pastor Frank and the ministry team here at Maranatha, as well as follow us on our social media platforms. We are located in Schenectady, New York, and if you are in the area, we invite you to join us during our weekly Sunday service starting at 10.30 a.m. We look forward to you joining us again next week for another anointed message. Thank you, and God bless.